Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello! Welcome back to Star Wars Minute. It's the daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and one that I can't jeopardize. The Star Wars movies, one minute at a time. I'm Pete the Retailer from PeteTheRetailer.com. I'm Alex Robinson from AlexRobinson.fun. And I'm Rowie Silverman, author of Exploring Tatooine, a illustrated guide now available for pre-order at your family local bookstore. Mm, do it. Do it. Please, please do it. Pre-order that book. Now, what scope? Give me a scope on on um, how what, does it cover all of the history of Tatooine or is it? Um... It covers all of the canon materials. So it is all the films, uh, all the like the Clone Wars and Rebels cartoon series. Uh, it also covers comic books and novels that are in the, the Disney continuity. So I wasn't allowed to use uh Legends things, but I was able to use things that were established as being canon in the current canon. Right. Yeah. What about were what about pre-canon? Were you able to kind of chart new history, or were you? Was your oh no, not for this one. This, this was very much a guide to what is already in there. Okay, this was not. It. I was not. This yeah. is a. It's a visual guide. It's not me creating content. So okay, I see. Uh, okay. Yeah, cool. I got. Yeah, I would. I would love to. My my next. Yep. My next big goal is to be able to create narrative and create story. But this was very yeah. much a guide to. So it was a lot of like. The way the way the book works out, there's there's uh, 22 spreads over the course of the book of different areas of the planet. And then what happens is if if multiple eras span events happening in this particular area, you get a lot of like people side by side of of, of these characters were here at this point. These characters were here at this point. And so it's a nice little mix of like, oh, I didn't realize how many of these stories happened in this one particular area. And that's, there's a lot of stuff right. like that. Oh, that's cool. Where you're like, why is everything happening right here when there's so much other? But um, I could go into that, but I, that'd be a whole no, episode no, no, of the no. podcast. So. <laughs> I do, I do have a lot of feelings about why Tatooine is so important. But sure, mm. you you'd better. Yeah, <laughs> you wrote the book on it. Yeah, um, sure. you literally that's, that's wrote point. the book. <laughs> yeah, um, I do want to say at this point. So if I I, I support your goal of creating new, uh, but I also want to throw it in there because I'm throwing every. You know, I, I need to bring it to everybody's attention. That if you ever find yourself working in the um, Resistance era, um, uh, don't forget that there is a uh, there is a Resistance technician named Pete the Italia who who worked on Poe's <laughs> X Wing and BB Eight and involved in that kind of a thing. So just uh, just okay. Make sure you know. Just make sure you remember that in, in case you ever you know. Okay. Just just 
putting it out there. I, I will check it out. I'll, I will make sure you keep that in mind if it comes up. You know what else you I'm putting out there? What's that? Minute 50 of Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah. Big 50th, -ish, 50th episode spectacular. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Minute 50 starts with we found out that uh, Treadenvoss needed a reason not to kill you. That's what he was looking for. Oh. Um, and uh, it ends with um, him saying that, gentlemen, I will not do. Hmm. Um, and well, that gentleman, I will not try. He doesn't say that. He says do. <clears throat> um, he knows. He does. He's seen. He's seen Empire Strikes Back. So, do you think that means? To, or is this their way of telling us that he has Jedi training? You think? Hmm. <clears throat> Could be. Man, Sith training. Dryden Voss. Uh, Dryden Voss. I said real, real New York accent. <laughs> he <laughs> is clearly old enough to know about the Jedi and everything. Hmm. And same thing with Beckett, right? Tobias Beckett. He also works enough. for a Sith Lord, so he definitely that's knows a little true. bit about, about the Jedi. That. Yeah, that's true. He does. I was going to say maybe he doesn't know he's a Sith Lord, but he, does, he literally shows his lightsaber every chance yeah. he gets. So yeah, I got this yeah. thing. You see this thing? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's just I'm still finding it tough to reconcile how um, people in the New Hope era don't remember the Jedi. Yeah. I, I used to have that problem until yeah. I've seen how well misinformation campaigns have worked uh, over That's the course true. of like a few months and the way people like misremember certain situations that happened like a year ago or two yeah. years ago. I've seen the way people have, I don't know, forgotten that there was a pretty vi terrible virus and that we actually had a reason for things happening the way they were. And now it's like, why is there so much inflation? Oh, this thing on TV told me this is why. It's like, no, because there was a there yeah. was a thing. I don't know right. if you caught that. Yeah. So uh, I used yeah. to have that same feeling of like, surely everyone remembers that there was this, you know, huge organization that ran around wearing light swords. But now it's everyone's <laughs> kind of like, ah, oh, that, that. I, the way that I kind of also reconcile it is that I think that. I think that even though there are so many Jedi during the prequel era and the republic era i think there's still it's such a massive population of this galaxy that i still think it's actually still really rare for a person to encounter a jedi and so i think that it's something that you hear of more of like in stories and legends than you necessarily do directly right in front of you yeah but i i i will say in in support of of uh, uh on screen what we see here uh that i i find it less surprising uh after trying to explain to an office full of millennials who the fat boys were because they had no ah. idea so um it's comparable <laughs> yeah the jedi are like the fat boys yeah yeah basically i am just surprised because it's not like because they had a, like movies and stuff the fat boys yeah that's why i was surprised it's <laughs> yeah. like i i also do think that palpatine has had a pretty strong like information suppression campaign against the Jedi. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing is like, you're, if you're not allowed to talk about them and if you bring them up in any way, like you are going to get like brought down by stormtroopers. I think people tend to not talk yeah. about them and tend to kind of forget that they exist and, or don't want to think about it. Yeah. So right. it, it's, it's strange to me because Palpatine had is already baked in his, Oh, the Jedi tried to overthrow the government. So like that seems like the perfect rather than a tray of eliminating any trace of their existence, just rewrite them as, as they were a the bunch villain. of crazy. Yeah, as the yeah. villains. So it's They're weird like that I guess villains. But I guess because he's a Sith, he just doesn't want anyone even like 
knowing about them and to go investigate what really happened and all it's better to just kind of erase all traces of of Jeff. yeah he wants so. them to be a forgotten relic i think which is what he's yeah. trying to do with it so i um was trying to figure out what's the what's the deal with dryden voss's uh the, the sort of stripes on his face i don't know what else to call them um, you know how I got these scars? scars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we never get out of time. So, uh, but it turns out, and I made some assumptions, I assumed Dryden Voss was a human, and oh. that these were scars of some kind, but the uh, our official friend, the official guide, lists him as mm. near human. Okay. Mm. But like, what is, we've never seen that classification for some, for a race before, near I mean, human. Haven't we? Wouldn't, wouldn't like... What about his, like um, his what is species it? What as for... listed as near? Well, would a would a would a Twi'lek or a yeah or a, like a, a be considered near human or or, no, or but that's the thing. Uh, those are his those actual are... species is called near human. His species is near human, so he, hmm. it's not like a Twi'lek where it's a Twi'lek and is that near human. His literal species is near human. Oh, that's interesting. So. Hmm. Uh, I, it it seems like a bit of like a placeholder kind of uh, thing. Like they didn't, they weren't sure what to do with him to call him. So apparently, those stripes are a way that when his um, they are linked to the circulatory system activity and adrenaline levels. So I'm assuming that once Dreinvoss gets angry, those stripes will become more pronounced as his blood flows and as his his adrenaline gets pumped. Oh, that's. Interesting, because I did notice they, they seemed darker in the scene, but I thought it was a lighting effect. I didn't realize it was actually supposed to be that he was like more flush, essentially. Yeah, yeah I guess I so. It, so uh, that's let me, a very Star Trek-y kind of uh kind Let me of fill in a thing. little bit here. Uh-oh, you're going to fill us in on the Voss? Phyllis is here on the Voss. The Voss is half full. Um, <laughs> the um, you know, According to Wikipedia, near human uh, was a term used to refer to species that were physically similar to, but still distinct from baseline humans. Um. And uh, it says that the Tarkin family employed a near-human servant named Nama. Um, Dryden Voss was a near-human leader and public face of the Crimson Dawn. Shortly after the destruction of planet Alderaan, a number of near-humans lived in a fugitive camp built in the junkyards of level 1782 on the planet Coruscant. Near-human species included the Zabrax, the Kifar, the Ugatin, the Mirialans, uh, Mirialans? Mirelian? Oh yeah, that's Mirelians? what uh that's what um yeah uh Sophie and um um yeah the other one are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 green folks. Yeah. Um the, uh, again they're giving examples Barins, Kurivar, the Chiss, the Keg, and the Twilex. So you were right, Twilex. Yeah. Ha! Oh, but and the Pantorans. A, but they're oh. giving examples of species that are near human. Right. So which of that's those what... is Dryden Voss? It doesn't, it doesn't, I, just, I think this speaks to the fact that Dryden Voss did not get further developed because this movie didn't do well enough to push for more Dryden Voss development. <laughs> I guess so. Ooh. But it seems like they could have just come up with a name, you know, Carillions or like who's like the yeah, fact well, that they just went near human is weird to me. They're just leaving it open. That's they're they're they are only allowed to tell you what they know. And we know that he looks like a human, but he's not. So you're telling you everything in this book they knew except for his species. <laughs> well, they, they have to leave that open for, for yeah. again, we're going to find out that he is, he was a scrum rat and grew up on Corellia and we're going to find out what, <laughs> scrum I, I can yeah. tell you what he's not. He's not a Pantoran because the Pantorans are blue skinned near humans native to the moon Pantora. And uh, mm. the, the example photo that they have here for Pantorans is Baron Papanoida. 
So he's <laughs> he, near he human. He's near human. Oh. <laughs> VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So changing gears, uh, Han Solo comes up with the plan of saying, hey, why do we have to get unref why do we have to get refined coaxium? Why can't we just go right to the source and get unrefined unrefined? And then uh, that's when Kira says, you're going to get us 100 K grams of coaxium. K grams. Uh, K grams sounds like a cool rebranding of the metric (laughs) system. (laughs) Right. Well, K gram is, of course, like a cool, like, communication like hey can you send me a k-gram that'd be cool. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> it's if like you just DM. need someone to confirm something like send me a k-gram let me know that you're okay with it you know? <laughs> you're okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah k-grams it, it seems like they're trying too hard with that but is I, that I, I, is that unearthed and we talked last week about when he when um beckett said uh oh where are we gonna get 100 k's he could refer to them as k's uh and and did he say k he said keys keys no. maybe is k gram yeah is it is it really just literally kilograms but said in a star warsy way yes well, that's what i know is k is k grams k so k grams is not a thing on earth in real life currently i just think well, we start using that i said i'm looking at it, it doesn't if you google k gram it doesn't really um nothing comes n- up. nothing that comes up like like it, not it's not what we think there's a bunch of other nonsense that comes up. They're not nonsense. Things that make sense, perfect sense to people who this are not going to go the with, way you, you know, think. I'm going to Wikipedia this language movie. models and stuff like that. And it's not, um, I've never heard it called a K gram, but uh, you know, I'm going to type in K gram and Wikipedia. I guess, I guess, like we said last week, it's better than calling them zip zops or some other fake sci fi name, you know? Right. Yeah. That's, I remember yeah. like when Battlestar Galactica had centons. <laughs> right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, it's almost like more distracting if it's like a, a, a fake science fiction y term. Yeah. I see. The only, yeah. I, I, I think, I don't know. I think they should have stuck with keys or, or just say kilograms or just say, you know. Or, like, you know what? Go old school. Make it like drams or, uh, mm. you know, some other. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, 40 <laughs> hogshead of, uh, of, yeah. unref- of refined coaxium. <laughs> just throw out words like parsecs again. Be like, yeah, hey, all right, the That's like 80 rods from here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but well, she's like, well, where, you know, where are you going to get unrefined coaxium yeah on, this time of night um, right well wait a second but back up for a second before we start talking about that the, the when han says that han says well what about unrefined yeah and beckett gives them kind of like a i i couldn't tell i wanted your opinion group opinion here is beckett 
scolding him or praising him there when he gives him kind of like a hand on his on his knee and he's like like he grabs his leg there for a second he's saying like good pull like you might I'll vote you, you're helping save our I, i'm voting scolding i think i think or he'd already told han like, to keep his mouth shut and i think yeah. han's running his mouth now and, and putting them further in debt which i think is what he's concerned about yeah i i thought that but then it also it does look a little bit like especially based on what is the way it unfolds it seems almost like he's like good when you're you're helping to save her like good pull He's, like you're pulling us out of the fire yeah hmm. i think he might eventually come to that point or i think he finally gets like well we're in this now because you brought this up so if you're gonna make this mission now i have to make it work somehow right yeah could go either way we don't know we'll have to ask um woody harrelson next time we talk to him <laughs> <laughs> um but yes then, woody then... harrelson would be as um how do you think he would be about that? Like Harrison Ford, obviously, is not someone you want to ask about his character. But do you right. think you ask if you ask Woody Harrelson, would he be into it, or do you think he'd just be like, I don't remember, man. That was like, like the five script said. The script said, I put my hand yeah. on his knee. I don't know. Yeah, right. especially a movie as troubled as this one. I'm sure you know they could be totally taking stuff out of context and changing it. But yeah, true. Well, yeah, I, I think he would have. Uh, you know, he seems like he gets way into his character enough that. Uh, yeah. He enjoys playing the role, and he would have he would be okay talking about it for the most part. I hope so. There is there is a the, the dynamic between Beckett and Han is interesting in this film because I don't think it's ever truly antagonistic. Like I don't think Beckett is completely working against Han this whole time. I think that he, I think later on when he double crosses him, it's just because that's the kind of person he is. Where it's like I see my way out of this. I don't know how else to get out of this, so I'm going to do what's right for me. Right. So, yeah. I, but I think in general, I think he does the whole time have a passing level of respect and recognition of like a younger version of himself in Han. Oh, and yeah. it, so I think there could be an element of it, but I do, I do think that when he says it, he's kind of being like, we're already in trouble. Don't make this worse. Yeah. Uh, could. Unclear to me. Yeah. Could but, be either way. What, this is one of those classic, is this, this is like BB eight. Is he giving the right. thumbs up or is he flipping the bird? Right. Yeah. You know. Is he flipping the bird? Is <laughs> that <laughs> don't make me blur that out? Well, it's my ring finger. No, I know, I'm not going to anyway. Um <laughs> Oh you're not? Okay. The um Yeah, so where are we gonna get unrefined coaxium? Exactly. She mm. At this time of night. Hmm. In this in the northern hemisphere. <laughs> entirely localized within your kitchen. Um the um Yeah, this is this is another like thing you know, thing you don't know mix. Yeah, they do that a lot in this. Uh... Yeah, and uh, which is refreshing because I really did think what I was like, oh, if I look up Mercy Island, she's like, where are you going to get it? Scarif, Mercy Island? I know, I'm like, I'm going to look up Mercy Island and it's going to be from something that I'm not aware of. Um, but, uh, and I, I was kind of looking forward to that. I was like, oh, let me see where that's from. And then it's like, oh, it all it says on the page for Mercy Island is like, Mercy Island was a location where Kira thought there might be unrefined coaxium. I was like, <laughs> okay, I knew that. Thank you. Um, so it's good that they they leave it out there. So it's, it's an open open door. So it's an opportunity. Yeah, I feel like maybe it's also like it's they didn't want to just name a list of locations that already exist. They wanted to imply like there's there is a larger galaxy here. So let's put like one location that's referenced in a previous film, the location that we know they're going to go to for this story to make sense. And also Mercy Island. Right. Which I yes, you would think that. But it's amazing how many times I feel like they don't do that mm -hmm. where they would just like, oh, let's just throw in something that people know and not 
build the universe at all. So I'm I'm glad they threw that in there because now yeah. it's like, oh, well, Mercy Island. That's that's totally leaving a door open for somebody to do some new work. Yeah. And uh, it might yeah. it might be because they were already explicitly putting Castle Run in there. Like, well, we're we're putting right. in the big one that we know is like part of this character's history. So. Yeah, it's um, it's it's refreshing. I think this movie does a great job of balance. I mean, I'm sure someone's going to present a clip to me from earlier in the movie where I was complaining about too much fan service or whatever. But at mm -hmm. this stage in the movie, <laughs> at least, I feel like they're doing a fairly good job of balancing the, uh, the, you know, like I can't believe none of the planets they've mentioned have been like Tatooine or like made you know a list planets. Like Scarif's a big yeah. planet, but you know it's one of the non-saga films so it's uh but, yeah you know and tatooine i think it's just because they're saving it for later like, that's mentioned all alderaan at this point you know just because yeah. they can because it's still around so or like dantooine that's a yeah no, no that's joke. too remote i don't think they should do that one. Mm, yeah <laughs> yeah tatooine i think is only not being mentioned because they're saving it for later to use that as the yes the foreshadowing but yes right because huh? he goes know. to Tatooine, yeah, because yeah. we know we know a lot about Tatooine, but who can keep all this information straight? I, I wish there was one. I wish it was all collected in one spot. You know, yeah. yeah someone should put together a illustrated guide to Tatooine. Yeah. Oh, illustrations would help a lot. I, mean, oh, I was yeah, thinking totally. just like a list, but illustrations <laughs> that would make it great. Yeah, yeah. Um, if only you could pre-order that exact thing from your yeah, and ideally store. if it was like bound together in like a book. Like a, mm -hmm. like a, a sturdy book, that would be a great... Because uh, I usually just print out every time a Wikipedia, they update it. I print it out. You print out all of Wikipedia. I see a series of binders, <laughs> and I add it whenever I, you know, I'm always updating mm. it, so... Yeah. That's how most of us access the internet, yeah. <laughs> uh, something, so the Pikes are also mentioned in this minute. Uh, mm. Dryden Voss is like, why would I want to do that? The Pikes control the... Uh, now, uh, have the Pikes been mentioned prior to this? They are Clone Wars characters, yeah. Okay. But with, so, and uh, that happened before this? Yeah, the Clone Wars yes. happened before this. Well, I know it happened <laughs> yeah, before I know, this. yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Clone Wars had aired before. The Clone Wars is actually, it straddles of when, it, it actually was a pre-Disney purchase. It was, it was, it was actually right. a Lucas, Lucas right. was actually very involved in Clone Wars. And then when Disney took over, that's when they got canceled. And they only brought it back as part of Disney continuity because of Rebels. And then also doing, because of Dave Filoni's attachment. So, yeah. Uh, so the Pikes have been around for a while then, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so that must have been, that must have been an almost like seeing a uh, black Christan when the Pikes showed up in live action in the, uh, in the Boba Fett show. Hmm. And in this, yeah. And it was, it was, it was, I, I was not expecting to see the Pikes cause they, they seem so like animation friendly. Yeah. Cause I will say the difference between this and Boba Fett is in this, they're all wearing armor the whole time. Whereas in Boba yeah. Fett, you do see them have their like faces taken off and yeah. yeah, they very much feel like the kind of, there's a, there's a lot of characters in the star Wars cartoons that I feel like would be harder to see look really good in live action. Mm -hmm. And I think that the pikes are a good example of ones that I would have thought that was true about, but then they actually like, okay, this actually looks pretty good. Right. Yeah. It uh, looks like the, Pikes first appeared in the episode Eminence, which is the 14th episode of Clone Wars from January of 2013. So, wow. Pikes almost are 10... Pikes are almost 10 years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a there's a lot there's a lot of crime syndicate things that happen in the Clone Wars animated series and the Pikes are very much part of that. And the Pikes are like ruthless in that point in that period of time mm -hmm. too. So, I like that they're named Pikes. It continues like the tradition of like naming the fish Mon Calamari and, and stuff like that. Like calling them Pikes. Okay. 
Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, um, I know. I made a note this time that um, I, I'd forgotten. Uh, anyway, I didn't forget, but it's interesting that uh, Ring Theory. Let's put it under that category. That Dryden Voss has an off-screen boss the way Darth Vader has an off-screen boss in A New Hope. You know what I mean? Like, we don't, yeah. I, obviously, mm-hmm. A New Hope. Obviously, in this movie, you they reveal the character at the end, but um, I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting kind of parallel. I want, does that make yeah. it? Does that make him a stronger, a more interesting character or a less interesting? How does oh, I think it makes him more interesting. That's why. Same thing as like I, I think the two of the better villains in this era of Star Wars. I, I think there's some pretty good villains in general, but I love both Dryden and Krennic because I think they're both really interesting because they're kind of underlings in a way and they part of like i think that krennic and and dryden are almost like opposites of each other in that like dryden is like made comfort for himself in his like gilded cage essentially whereas as krennic is like raging against it and trying to move himself up but lacking the ability to do so his ambitions he he might you say choke on his own ambitions whereas uh dryden has found a way to adapt his ambitions to what he's doing and I, i think that's really interesting Hmm. I buy I'm trying, it. To, trying to get some clever pun about the way he dies. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I forgot how oh, he just gets like stabbed. Yeah. Well, I guess. I yeah. I should have thought about that, and then it said, oh, "Take a stab at it" or something. So, uh, <laughs> it's late well, in the week, well, so we're we're running on. We we've already used up most of our coaxium for yeah. the. We'll cut the all this. So. Yeah. Um. I like this scene though because I just I. I I would like to see Star Wars, and because of this movie's success rate, I don't think they will maybe necessarily, but I like the way that this movie attempted to tell a pretty by the numbers crime movie, but with a Star Wars facade to it. And I think that that is what is successful about a lot of the MCU movies. I think that they do a really, I think some of the best MCU movies are ones that take another genre of movie and then mashed together with this superhero action film and in a way that works really well. And I, I also, I feel like this is a movie that it's the, it's the only one really of the live action Star Wars films. I think that really attempts to do that and be like, instead of like, we're taking a, a war saga film, we're taking a crime hardwood heist film and putting it in a Star Wars place. And so this is such a, like cliche parts of, I don't want to say cliche, a tropey parts of that kind of storytelling and to see it being done in the Star Wars context with Han Solo. I was a big fan of this moment in the theater. I liked it a lot. I'm like, oh, this is where they're planning out the heist and they're getting things, they're starting to put the band together kind of information. So yeah, yeah I'm a big fan of that. But you know, uh, you know who else is a big fan of this scene is uh, uh, screenwriter, co-screenwriter uh, John Kazdan. John oh, Kasdan yeah. wrote uh, a bunch of little blurbs on Twitter. He had like a uh, like fifty two fun facts about Solo or something like that. And uh, one addressing this, he says the scene in Dryden's study, which in which the Kessel heist is first proposed, is one of my personal favorites in the movie. It's where Han really becomes Han in a lot of ways, and it talks a little bit about what con- the scene continues into next week. And this is the way he improvises to save their skin. And that scene felt true to the man he eventually becomes, and which is what we were just talking about with the yeah, I think so. And uh, we'll get the ship. We've already got the pilot. Felt like pure Han. That's that's a that's a quote from coming up. But but uh, it, it's already dealing with exactly what we're seeing here. That Han Solo just kind of like jumping in and being using that kind of 
you know, uh, danger improv that, that yeah. we've seen a couple of times and now using it to get into this Han Solo routine. So it's, it's, it's good. Good for character development and fun to watch. It's a good bookend to the previous scene with Beckett where Beckett's like, if you come with me, you're in this life and you're in it forever. Mm -hmm. And it really is like he comes this thing and now he's putting himself on the line. And now this mm -hmm. is why he's the Han Solo we know him to be for the rest of the saga. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's all I got for Minute 50. Yeah, I think that was all I had. Um, Scarif, Mercy Island, Spice Pikes. Mines of Kessel, the Pikes. 100 K grams. K grams. Yeah, well, like, yeah, I couldn't find it. Like, it. It's so, like, you know. So we mentioned Kessel, which we've heard. Remember, C3PO said Spice Mines of Kessel, and we heard Han Solo say the Kessel run. Yeah. But. We assumed that they were related, but now that we see, we hear about the Spice Mines of Kessel first in a Han Solo movie, so we can only assume that the Kessel Run will be coming up. Yeah. Um, which uh, many one of the worst assumed, kept secrets and yeah, storytelling. Many of us assumed that that was the case before the movie even uh, yeah. uh, opened, but to the uh, point where Hot Topic was selling like the the tie-in merch for Solo and like literally the t-shirt said like Kessel Crew on the back of the shirt and it's like okay we get it. All right, yes, it's that's happening. Yeah. And again, beforehand I was kind of I don't like I don't need to see him do the Kessel run, but then once I'm watching it I'm like this is fun. Yeah. So, and I like the moment later when he when he does the first time he says the line of the ship to the customer running 12 parsecs and nobody but him cares right. and i like that that becomes like a thing that i feel like has come up it's it's in obviously it's a new hope but it also happens in in the the sequels yeah. when he's like in ship and thing is, yeah. when he's like he like corrects it no 12 like it's something it's i like it as a thing that han deeply cares about regardless of if anybody else cares about it and that it like sticks with him as a thing that he sticks with the rest of his life so I wish it had been like he completed in like 60 parsecs and then like the next time he said it, he's like, yeah, I did it in 50 parsecs. And then you could sell like, by, or, you know, by the time fun. of a new hope, he's already down to, uh, you right. know, he's, right. he's almost doing it, uh, you know, instantaneously. I would have liked that. I would have been okay with that. I think, I think that's, that's the thing that I think the Kasdans are too, like, mer like they're too in love with the character to do that with. But I think too, that's a, that's a too, funny way to do it. Right. Yeah. Lord and Miller. It seems, it, it seems. Have him finish it and you, cause you know, it's coming. So to, to pull yeah. the rug out from under you a little bit, have him yeah. finish it in like 20, and then it slowly just gets... People would yeah. freak out, forget about it. They'd be burning theaters down if that happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they didn't go see it in the theaters, so they wouldn't yeah, be doing that. They'd be burning down their digital and Blu-rays. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I do feel like this movie got a really bad rap. I, I think that it coming out so soon after Last Jedi was a, was a mistake and all that kind of stuff, which we can get into, but I... Despite how troubled the production was for it, and as much as I went in thinking it was going to be a hot mess, I was surprised at how much I actually really enjoyed it. And I'm surprised at how much it is frequently a Star Wars movie that I just throw on when I want to watch Star Wars and I haven't decided like which one I want to watch. And I think it's because it works so well as a pretty self-contained story that it's really easy just to toss and, and just have it ready to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well. That was all. I did you uh, now, Riley? Did you uh, again? We just we just touched upon a little bit of stuff that's coming up. Is there sure. anything you want us to keep an eye out for later in the in the film? Or oh anything gosh, that you missed out besides on Clint Howard, besides Clint Howard. Assume uh, I'm assuming looking out for Clint Howard, but or anything that we have already covered that you just wanted to just jab a pin at what? But um, <laughs> any anything you wanted to pick out from Ouch. parts of the movie that 
aren't weren't from this week before we go. You know what? I had some thoughts earlier, but I was like, I didn't want to keep digging on stuff you'd already talked about, and I can't think of what they were now. I know mm. I made the joke about the worm and the lights and stuff like that. I mm. love that. I, I will tell you that when I saw the movie in theaters, I was convinced that Infus Ness was going to be Val. That mm. that was going to be the big reveal at the end. Mm. That's why she kept telling him, like, hey, Infus Ness knows what's happening. We got to be careful with them. And yeah. so I thought it was going to be that she faked her death and was the... See? Yeah. I've been saying she did fake her death. I have, I, I have it all worked out. And plus exactly what they were talking about earlier in this week where like Beckett even says like hey there's no you know like uh you said nobody else knew about it so like they had insider information it had to be I bet they do hint that there's a spy Mm -hmm. it was foul she faked her death jumped out she had the grappling hook thing and one of the other emphasis nesters uh, swooped in and picked her up Look, if that gets me more Tandy Newton in Star Wars, I'm happy to have it because I I think I I think it was John uh, John Kazan is that the one that you quoted? Yes, I remember him saying that they wrote the script obviously before they cast anybody, and that was one of their big regrets is killing Val off that early in the movie when yeah. they, once they saw how good Tandy Newton was and that they got her to do it. They're like, oh, I wish we kept her around a little bit longer because she's worth sticking yeah. around for. So they said they she was accidentally too interesting once once uh, Tandy Newton was her. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a big fan of her, so mm-hmm. that's a big one. Uh, I love, I like the, I actually do like the weird little twist on the text opening, the like mm-hmm. Corellia, like the very uh, Blade Runner style opening to it, which I thought was like a, because I, I remember how jarring Rogue One was for me in the theater where it just begins with that stinger, like mm-hmm. the, the, like the musical note from a black to like maybe jump in the theater. This one was a little bit more like a fun, like trying to escape Corellia moment. I like that. I'm a big fan of I, I this movie has a lot of moments that I just really enjoy. So I could probably talk about all the I love I love when L3 just who's so focused on her revolutionary ideas, but her actual revolution she begins is just an afterthought where she's yeah. just trying to get the droid to leave her alone. She's <laughs> like, I don't know, go for your brothers and sisters or whatever. And then that starts this entire chain of events. I find that quite good. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about a whole bunch of little things that I keep forgetting about. This movie moves all over the place and not not in a bad way, I don't think. But it, there's a lot it, of parts lot to, to it. it. Yeah. 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 If you didn't know this movie was a troubled production and you didn't know that like too many cooks were in the kitchen for it, you would never know by watching it. I think that I think that it's it's shockingly well put together for a movie that had such an issue being made. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we are. Uh, um, Done with the week. Thank you, Riley, for joining us this whole week. Uh, yeah. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, we um, we have one more movie pretty much coming up, so we'll be sure to give you a call in a, in a, you know six months to a year. Please um, do. You know how much I'm. I'm. I'm a very. I'm a Rise of Skywalker stand. I will. I will be happy to defend that movie yeah. with passion. So you're on my team with that one. Yeah. Alex is we're building up opponents for Alex. We're not going to fall into that trap of setting it up as two opposing camps who are, you know mm. what I mean? That's the whole problem with the world now is everyone's got to be like, "Oh, we're going to kill each other." Was there was there a divisive reaction to that movie? Uh, I I've, I've never seen it. I don't no, know. I think Star Wars fans generally they 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 just like everything, yeah. right? I'm al- I'm always happy when I find someone who actually likes that movie because I feel like it's the one that I think I feel like people who love Last Jedi tend to hate it. People who hate Last Jedi tend to hate it. And it's it's whenever I find someone who just has joy for it, I'm so happy. I'm like, please be my friend and talk about this movie with me. So, <laughs> well, we we will absolutely be your friend who talks about it with you in a yes. in a in a few months. Uh, but for now, we Alex and I are going to talk about Star Wars and some other stuff probably this weekend. 
over on starwarsminute.com slash Patreon. That's right. If you uh, support the show at different levels, you get access to us talking about more stuff over the weekend. And uh, you, uh, you know, we have access to hundreds of old episodes. If, if you're just joining up now, you can go back and listen to you know opinions that we had. Even some, uh, I think for Solo, we have like immediate post reaction after walking out of the theater from Solo. Yeah. Um, not together. Nice. We didn't see it together, but but like the weekend or like a day or two later on that weekend, we talked about what we thought about it. So you can go back and see if that jives with how we feel now. I think Alex's opinion has improved a little bit, but it's for you to find out. Go to StarWarsMinute.com slash Patreon and tell us what you think. And then we'll be back here next week with brand new episodes of Star Wars Minute. Star Wars Minute.